Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. When you come to the planet, you have an orphan mind. And in your lifetime, things either build you up in your orphan mindset or you make a personal exchange. Let me help you. You are going to have to, at some time in your life, make a personal exchange from the orphan mindset, the carnal mindset, the small-mindedness to supernatural thinking. And that's the choice that this amazing creator gave you. I can't convince you of it. And, you know, once that you've tasted of hosting his presence, you are ruined for anything else. You can try to go back and be an orphan, be stupid, because it's a habit, but it's so so dissatisfying. And anybody that knows me knows that my intention for you is to be great. Not me be great. I'm great. I don't need you for me to be great. Deion Sanders, he said the other day, that guy's blessings doesn't have anything to do with my blessings. And that's true. His blessings, my blessings don't have anything to do with you. Your blessings don't have anything to do with me. It all has to do with how great God is. God doesn't like orphans because he didn't make orphans. He made sons and daughters. So who made orphans? Who made, Lou didn't make orphans. Who made orphans? Humanity. Humanity made orphans. Humanity made orphans out of minds that won't believe supernaturally. And some of y'all have been hearing me for, Pam's been hearing me for a long time, but some of y'all have been hearing me for a shorter amount of time, and you're still in orphan thinking. So that me, that tells you, because I never preach orphan thinking, so it tells you that you can hear the word and still remain an orphan. So that means what? That means it has to do with the choice of your own heart. And when orphans reign, orphan stuff happens. Listen, I get it that we basically taught a theology in the church that said, get us out of here, God. Right? That's a theology. That's a way of theology means it's a way that you think. Some of y'all's thinking is so bad that you want God to come and smear some butter, sound like butter, some butter with some some of that what's that everything bagel seasoning on, on your stuff. <laughs> and he's just that's just not God can't. It's impossible for God to support your personal plan from an orphan nature. So I wrote this word from him. Can you see the abundance of my provision? Can you see that I provided all that you need? What is this life's goal? If it's not mine, he says from the beginning. I'm not meant to be altered or an altered version by generations past. I set the standard. I set the timeline. And the providing is for my design. 
not for a manufactured counterfeit. How long will you weigh my ways in the palm of your hand? The galaxies set poised in my hand to be created in their precise time, and so were you. You weren't meant to weigh whether or not it's the right time for you. You weren't meant to determine whether you agree or not. You were meant to follow and obey. You weren't meant to consult opinions based on your protection of pride. You weren't meant to be fathered and mothered by those not surrendered to me. Because I made you for significance. But can you see it? Do you choose the life I gave or the life you made? Are you asking me to come be salt on your plans? Are you asking me to confirm and provide my provision for your personal orphan ways? How can I change your ways? Are you asking me to change my plan to fit into your plan? It's impossible for the maker to be altered by what is made. You were created for my time, not your time. You're not your own. You have been purchased with a high price for my purpose. My purpose alone is what I made you for and will provide for. Don't expect me to change to adopt your generationally cursed plan. If you simply ask me my way, I will alter your life to fit into my plan for you. Your destiny is my way, not any other way but Yahweh's. Now, how many love that word? What does it speak to? It speaks to how significant you are. Can you feel it? How many can feel it? Just keep your hands up for a minute. You're significant. You can feel it. Can't you feel it, Chuck, in the words of a good, good father? I don't know what other words you heard in your life. But those of you that can hear it today, that's who he's speaking to today. And y'all can feel it. There's fire in the promise, madly, of how significant you are. This is your time, babe. See, this is the time that the Holy Spirit is pouring out His Spirit. You don't even have to run around a lot to get poured out on. You have to avoid a lot to miss it. And listen, God is doing this all over the planet. It's not just here. So press in. God is fixing to pour out a revelation to you about the abundance of what He's provided for you. And those who want to receive it, it's free today. It's free for you to take today. Now, I have a little handout that Shudi's going to, Shudi and Moo, y'all can pass it out. I, I wanted to start today with a couple of, of slides. Bethel is all about this right now, too, I think. I don't actually listen to anybody but Bill from there, but 
Let's, can he do number 12? It says, nothing apart from, my, from the Spirit of God can fuel your fire and passion to lead you for the long haul. How many want to be in it for the long haul? Do, don't you love that scripture? It says, don't grow weary in well-doing. How many have ever grown weary? He said, don't. <laughs> Identify for yourself what makes you weary. Listen, here's the funny part about the orphan mentality. Orphans have no control over their time, and it's the one thing God gave you control over. Every orphan I met doesn't have time for God. Tell me why. Think about it for a minute. Why? Why is it so much tension? Because there's a whole plan set in place that didn't involve God. Why do you think this nation is where it is now? Because a whole plan got set in place and a bunch of nice people, good people, Christian people said, that's okay. I'll, I, won't take, I won't manage that. I won't do anything with that because I'm getting out of here. That's exactly what happened. So what is rising up within you? Just when I read that word, those of you who rose, this rose up within you needs to be formed fashioned and honed in the presence of God in a community with other leaders. I think this sums up what one life's about pretty good too. Doesn't it? I'm just raising up leaders. I'm not raising up orphans. I'm not going to convince you to come here. Trust me. You can ask Calandra. I try to get her to go someplace else. Because it's too weighty to hear my words and not obey. Isn't that right, Christian? It's too weighty. Because I'm delivering the fire of God. It burns in me. It wakes me up at night. It's what I'm called to do. I'm not called to make people comfortable. I'm called to disrupt your norm. It is an orphan way of thinking you know I think Aubrey's one of the biggest greatest testimonies of this in this room she just stepped into a contract more money than she's ever made over doing something that when I met her she wasn't doing that's fixing to happen to some other people in here but she's doing it right now and she said, she sent me one of those bitmojis, and she's such a businesswoman. Because why? Because she don't feel like it. She just feels like a little mom. Got her an iPad for the first time this year. Got her a pencil. And people are paying her large amounts of money to draw for them. Why? Because she surrendered. We wrestled with her soul together, me and her, her and Lynn. Because see, when I have an orphan mindset, I hold on to it so tight. I don't want anybody. It's like, it's like someone's taking your last candy bar and it's actually a piece of poop you're holding in your hand. That's what Paul said. I count it as poop. King James Version's dung. That's poop. Who's going to go out to the yard and grab up some poop and say, look what I got. I've got kingdom abundance. But that's what more orphans do. Morphins. They grab nothing and say, look at what I got. And they argue with you that it's valuable. 
And it's, it's a, you know, I can always tell the weightiness of things just by my little feelers. You know, I've got a f- couple of feelers that they feel the weightiness. I think Cece says she's been up since two last night. It doesn't feel good to her to war, writing a word in the middle of the night. She's going to read it to you here in a minute. But see, when you hear it, you can feel that she's been in touch with the heartbeat of a good, good father. Listen, God can't alter himself for your small made plans. He's coming to disrupt all the stuff you're trying to make to make something beautiful out of you. And when we don't surrender, when we fight him on it, it extends the inevitable. It extends it. Some of y'all have done that in here, right? It just extends it. Something's happened to Colleen. The girls have been telling me something has happened to Colleen. I said, what has happened to Colleen? Shooty said, Colleen was in my small, I was in her small group. when Was that last Sunday when I went here? And she said, she's changed. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, yes, he's the one. I got another little slide. Can you see a generation of leaders coming alive? I can see it. Can you see it? As they are anchored in the knowledge of God. See, that's a beautiful thing is that it's available to everyone. Their eyes are filled with light, knowing that Jesus is the hope of the world, bringing innovation that disrupts cultural norms. That is the issue that we're talking about today is that there's a cultural norm that has nothing to do with the supernatural and all those mindsets and ways that are so locked into us that we argue and fight for and want to have, God is going to eradicate them. God's fire, number 14. God's fire is coming to fuel you with prophetic vision and strategy and catalytic insights for this next season. It is a time to partner with God in full confidence that he holds the keys to the world's solutions in his hands. Listen to me. You may just want to just pay rent, but I want to change the world. Who's with me? I'm tired of just barely living above the mental poverty line. <laughs> you know, I just like what we did for Gwen, what we're doing for the rich. This is to get us out of small thinking. How many were tired yesterday after you worked? Great. Normal. Normal. I love what um, uh, Army and Aubrey had going yesterday. Because, you know, Army, he's got... He's got dirt in his shoes. So what's he saying? Mom, right? Mom, I got dirt. What is, what is he letting her know? I'm uncomfortable doing what I'm doing. What is, what is, what is one side? The orphan mom says, oh, let me alleviate your discomfort. But not Breeze. What did she say? What did she say, bud? She said, that's what we're doing today. There's going to be dirt. What a big bro say? Well, just for fun, move through Chad in my shoes. Just 
for entertainment. Do you see, can you see the child's perspective? I mean, Abe's almost going to be 14, just a few years older than, he's already got a different perspective. Why? Because life's going to be hard. Right? God said it. But, I, but he overcame the hard, and he lives in you. So I have this little snippet from Bill I want to play for you. It's, it's fatiguing, I know. All right, Exodus 13. Verse 17. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Verse 17 again. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt. This is a, I, I love this particular story, this particular verse, this season in Israel's history. I love it because God was the one fighting their battles. It wasn't like this victory against the Philistines depended on their wisdom and their strength. But God knew his role would be limited by their fear. That was a very good point there. God knew that his role, his place in the journey with his people would be limited or restricted or cut off by their fear. And so he, he actually said, I'm not going to take them the direct path. The Philistines are in the way. They're too young, even though God is the one who fights the battle for them and delivers the victory to them and sometimes through them. He said, I'm going to take them another way because they may see war and become discouraged and go back to bondage. Wow. How many people I see go back to bondage because they don't know how to handle conflict? Now, I don't mean just conflict, argument with a friend or something. I'm talking about the lifestyle that says, I was designed for something greater, and I keep running into this wall. We sang about it tonight. That wall, the wall that becomes a way. That's the challenge right there is every time God leads us into a place, it's unto victory. So here in this passage, it would be reasonable to assume that God chose, in this case, their young, inexperienced probably become afraid. They probably want to go back to bondage. God says, I'm going to direct them. I'm going to take them around this enemy because I, I don't want them to face that prematurely. So a month later, they're going down the road and the Lord leads them into an enemy. What's the implication? They're ready. They're ready. A month ago, yeah, uh, they're going to they're they're mess themselves. I'm just going to take them. 
I'm going to take them around. A month later, he takes them right into a war. And the implication is, I've thought this through. They've been able to deal with stuff in the last 30 days. I'm just throwing out 30 days to illustrate. They've been able to deal with stuff in the last 30 days. I trust them. I think it's never been a question of what God can, what battles God can win. That's not even a contest. There's, there's, there's never been a contest between the devil and God. Zero. And so when the Lord then leads Israel into a conflict, it's because not only were they designed for victory, they're ready for victory. So when I choose fear instead of faith, I'm violating my design. When I choose fear instead of faith, I'm not acknowledging that this moment was divinely orchestrated that I might once again illustrate the the victory of Christ in a given situation. Good. Good, right? Hopefully, that will help you understand how God sees our life here. Listen, I, I had an encounter. I, I encountered re- the religious spirit until I was, um, until I met Jaretta, a lady that we did ministry with for 13 years, and I encountered um, soaking in his presence for the first time. <clears throat> I had known her before, and there had been a gap in time, and then I knew her again. I had a dream about her last night. I haven't talked to her in... 30 years, I don't know. In the dream, she had developed kidney, uh, sorry, liver cancer. I don't know why I said kidney. And her right arm, which right is what I was, uh, have face to do, left is what I was, no, right's what I was born to do, left's what I have face to do, whatever. That may not be right. Anyway, but her right arm was tiny. It was a little bitty arm. It was like the size of my thumb. Her whole arm was little. And in the dream, she basically was going to give up on life, and that was going to be it. She wasn't going to do life anymore. And in reality, that's what she did in real life when it come, came to the call of God on her life. It's exactly what he said. Life got too hard, and she did not believe that she was an orchestrator of his presence, and she believed a lie and she eventually, she knew the story of Catherine Kuhlman. I don't know if you know the story of Catherine Kuhlman. Something similar happened to Catherine Kuhlman. And she used to say, I don't want to do what Catherine Kuhlman did. And she ended up doing exactly what Catherine Kuhlman did. Now, you'd have to know more about her to understand that story. But the point of the story is that when Jaretta left, then God said to me, you're Joshua. And I want you to take a bunch of orphan slaves into the promised land and teach them they're giant killers. And they're going to think they're grasshoppers. How many thought you were a grasshopper when you came here? And how many understand you can't do 
giant things in grasshopper thinking shoes. My job is to dismantle your shoes that you've been walking in. And I hope it messes up everything in your life that you're doing that's not him. Right? I mean, Chuck, how long was it that you felt like you were going to drum? I mean, maybe just last month. I don't know. Yeah. But a long time. Right? Because he was stuck. It was it stuck like Chuck is what I used to say about him all the time. What got him out of Egypt was drumming, and drumming became bondage. And see, that's what happens with orphans. The thing that God uses to get you out of something, you want to ride that pony till it dies, and it becomes bondage for you. I want to help you, but you're going to have to change some stuff. (laughs) I mean, they were on food stamps. And now they own a house. What happened? God... God didn't even provide what they needed for the house until they agreed to own the house. He's just weird that way. I'm trying to teach you about how... See, listen, let me help you. I think it's the first scripture on your handout, maybe. Hang on, I got a lot of material. Did I mention that? No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Second Peter, everything. Say everything. It's in red. Listen, you should really read the scripture more than today. We could ever need for life. Everything. So so just right there, there's an abundance. Now, this is God's size abundance. Have you ever been in lack? Isn't it true that our mindset is, I just don't want to be there. Wherever the lack place was. So like for them, I'm just rocking on them today. If their goal was just to not be into food stamps, trust me, I would be on a completely different page than them. So everything I would be saying that they heard in their little pea brains would be, she's telling me this just so we can get it, because that's what they're thinking. Food stamps is not on my grid. Just to give you an example. So when God came and said that to me, I did what God said to do. I didn't do it for people. Although everything God does is for people, I had to do what he asked me to do for him. And that sustains me. So I honestly... Y'all, all the leaders here know this. I don't. I would do this and preach to one person. I did it to Pam for twenty years. Why? Because I'm doing it as an offering of worship to Him. I am hearing Him and displaying what He says because I don't want His voice to stop. I don't need an audience to do it. Right. That's why you can't count the troops. A whole nother story. So let's finish reading it. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been. Where is it? It's in you. Dang it. You thought it was in someone else's bank account. It's inside you. Say it's inside me. 
Listen, this is the greatest awareness you could have in your life. When I'm in need, it's just what he just described. There's something in me he's doing. We all just want to get out of pain. We all just want whatever I'm already doing. Y'all don't read ahead. I'm still talking. Whatever I'm already doing, we just want him to bless it. Agreed? Isn't that human nature? Come on. Let me just, let me give you another example. So I don't think the richest, now when I got to the richest house, there was some stuff not working and we're going to have a chat about it. But they are getting blessed because we're, because we're not going to leave and not fix it. Because who, who are we? We're the fixers, right? So, but once I fix it, they have to steward it. And they don't know how, right? Or they would have been doing it, right? So what did I do yesterday? I set up a row to work with Sidwo, the master. Where is she? Let's all wave at Sidwo. The master trainer of all introverts and extroverts alike. Oh, there you are. You're back here. Sorry. I was going to talk about you. Now you're here. It won't be as fun. Um, what did What did she do? She taught him to own what he's going to walk on. Everything under my feet. It's a spiritual principle, right? He didn't know how to use a saw. Saws can be scary. They cut stuff. They'll cut your finger off. That's what an orphan thinks. But see, I'm not an orphan. So I didn't worry that he was going to cut his finger off. Are, are you with me at all? I'm worried that this man at 35 years old needs to know how to cut some wood. He needs to know how to put this floor in. That's my, my objective is different. Right? There ain't nothing that he did to make him not know how to cut at 35. But see, it's in my power to show him how now. Because what am I? I'm a trainer. So I didn't even tell him. I just said, hey, go work at your house. So what do you think he said to me when he saw me this morning? I cut wood. I cut wood. Making mama proud. I cut wood. Why? Because that's in him. It's in him to want to know. It would have been different. He's like, I cleaned the windows. No, I cut wood. I knew he needed to know. That's my job. Providing what would give him that pride of his home is what I knew he needed. And see, I'm trying to make that mindset be in you. You can come here and I'll keep giving to you because I'm not giving to you for you. But if you ever get to the place where you're coming to learn to give something away. Yes. You know, 10 years ago, I a man came here. He didn't want to come here. He just came for his wife. And so this is why he chose this story, I want to tell you. And he made the book. He made the Tisa story book. We went to him. We said, hey... You're amazing. You can do anything. And he could. He could fix a car. He could build you a deck. 
he could build you a house probably. And I said, listen, there are all these young guys here that if you would take them under your arm, you could train in, in, in a short amount of time. You'd have a bunch of yous around. And you know what he said? They drive me crazy and I'd rather die with my knowledge. And he's not here anymore. Why? Because his goal was a consumer. He was an orphan. And no matter how much we bragged on him, how, much, how many times I told him he was amazing, he would not change this. And, and the interesting part, when he left, he left because his wife got mad at me. And when he left, he tried to call a bunch of guys in the church to tell them something. Right? Because what, what, what do orphans do? They got to get together. Come on. <laughs> Chuck knows. Come on. Come on. Let's all get together. But unfortunately, he called the wrong guys. Are you going to be able to be that kind of leader? Everything has been given, deposited by his divine power. Has nothing to do with your power. It's not by might, say it. It's not by power. It's by his spirit. For all this, dang it. For all this was lavished upon us. This all the time. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name. What's your name? I'm Joshua. What are you? What are you? You know, I told Cece this morning, I said, you're a feeler. Think about, it's really the father's heart who is so grieved when sons and daughters act like orphans. When he pre-deposited in sons and daughters all humanity, all you need, to live an amazing life and live a godly life, which he rewards now. And you acted like no one loves you. You act like you're offended. Listen, all orphans' hearts get offended. If you get offended, it's a sign that you have an orphan heart. Every son and daughter's hearts are unoffendable. The more you know me, the more you'll have to forgive me. Because I'm not perfect. I'm not even trying to be. I'm just trying to please the one. Think about it for a minute from my, ooh, from my perspective. How could I please all of y'all? What would that look like for me? I wouldn't get out of bed. Because some of y'all don't get out of bed. And if I tried to please, please you, right? I haven't mustered that one pound weight yet. Right? Okay, Cece's going to come. I'm going to finish. I, I, I didn't even get to talk about what I want to talk about today. I want to say this last little line. He's invited us. It's always an invitation with God. Listen, the same invite that he gave me when he said, you're Joshua, he's given to you today. Are you going to take the promised land? Now, listen, y'all can bring these on Wednesday night. If you don't think you can remember your little paper, you can leave it up here. I'll have some more. But we're going to go on this little journey together 
to understand that because God has given so much, heaven will never be bankrupt. There's an abundance of everything you need. Every single thing that you can think of sitting here that you feel like you're in need of, whether it be any, from money to a job to relationships, God has an abundance of it. But just like Bill said, He knows what you're able to steward. And being a good father, He wouldn't give you something that you were not able to steward. Do you hear that? Can you receive that? Cece had an amazing encounter with him last night, and I feel like it goes along with this whole series, and this was birthed with some travail, I will say. I'm proud of her today. I'm proud of you today for being an introvert, a double introvert, and for going on this crazy journey with me and delivering the word of the God. Uh, the, the word of the God. So come on up. Come on up. He is the God. The one God, the one and only. <laughs> That's great. Wow. I am overwhelmingly grateful for this series that, um, you know, it was just really striking me as Tisa was sharing that um, how grateful I am for this because, you know, I've, it's incredibly important to me to steward what God gives well. And I don't think I wasn't. Like she said, I'm a feeler. I haven't always connected all the pieces. Usually it makes more sense afterwards. But probably for the past two weeks or more, I have been like crazily, crazy town, crazy town, basically concerned about whether or not I was stewarding well. And that's not the words I would have used for it before. But it's been all this stuff about, well, I don't know if I'm being effective. I don't know if I'm making a difference. You know, I want my life to matter. And all this negativity coming at me trying to tell me I'm not being um, efficient or effective in my calling. And, but I mean, I've been almost to the point of paralyzed because I so want to steward his abundance. Well, I want to steward his favor. Well, now I, who in here has received any favor from God, right? I mean, there's not one of us that can say no. I mean, hopefully, right. And you're aware I've received so much favor and it grieves me beyond belief to think that I would not steward that well or take that for granted. It's so important to me. And so I'm grateful for this series because I, I just know it's going to be speaking lots of truth to me. And, um, you know, Papa is shaking up some stuff. He will... He will shake some stuff up in you to help you steward all the little, all the favor well. And so you don't get caught up. Like I was saving, saying, even for myself as a feeler, I know that he speaks to me that way, but I've been getting tripped up on this topic over and over and over because I'm still learning how to steward even the way he speaks to me, you know, which is a, a, a form of favor and a form of abundance that he's speaking to me. So I'm always asking him to tell me, speak to me. I want to know what you want, what you're thinking, but I have to steward that well too, or it will trip me up. And so um, all that to say, I just know that the Holy Spirit is really, really, really on this. And I had this, um, I woke up for it's like the third, fourth night in a row with all this torment last night. And I finally got up and was just trying to talk to Papa about, how angry I was, honestly. That's what I was doing. I was talking about how angry I was that I was awake again, and I kept experiencing this torment. And I just want to say, you know, uh, it says to, you can be angry, but don't sin. 
when you, God's not afraid of your anger. And I think that people really need to know that because all we do is back away from God when we are angry and think we're not supposed to be, then we just pull away from him because we wouldn't, we don't think we can be angry at him. But um, there is a real message on that, that God wants you to bring your issues to him, wants you to bring your issues with him to him. He wants you to bring, and in fact, I heard in, in worship or during at the end of worship today when Tisa was sharing, um, I saw that the Holy Spirit was pouring out this liquid gold into a bunch of empty letters. So, you know, there were like letters like you might put on the wall, but they were hollow, and he was filling them with this liquid gold. And I heard him say that he's coming to fill up all the empty words. He's coming to fill up all the empty words, all the words that you've heard, but they're hollow. They haven't held as much weight with you as he wanted them to. And those are his promises over us too. Those are his promises where we're like, yeah, that sounds good, but you don't really live from that place of believing the promise, you know? So he's coming to fill those places. And so the only way he's going to fill those places is if we admit they're empty. If we admit, if we admit that they don't hold the weight any weight with us or that they feel like an empty promise. Empty promises really make me mad. I've had a lot of people make a lot of promises and they never came through. And that makes me really mad. And I can feel that way just to be real with you. I can feel that way with God sometimes. That's a real experience on this journey that we can say we're in a place where you said this and I'm not living out of that. And we've got to steward that well. Because that's part of the journey. That's part of the process, just like Bill shared on, you know, you've got to, we've got to know those tidbits about uh, you're facing this in your life right now because I know I can trust you with it. I know that you can make it through it. Because if we, he would take us a different way if we couldn't handle it. And so it's a, a great time to enter into being really real with him because he's wanting us to just be real, acknowledge those empty words, those empty places, acknowledge our experience with him and the things that we can't quite navigate well. So all that to say, I'm going to read this word that he gave me last night that was in a very um, unique way for my, my, my history with him in a, in a sense. Um, it didn't come about in my normal way. It came through a lot of visions and then just writing. I didn't really have any understanding of what I was writing as I was doing it. Okay, So I, um, I know how this applies to me on some level. I'm going to keep searching it out to going forward. But I do believe that there are going to be things in here that speak to you personally and that maybe would rattle some things with, within you. And, um, and uh, speaking to this topic of stewarding his abundance. So here goes. He said, there's a sleeping city that needs to wake. It lies low, hoping to escape. But I intend for mountains to be raised in this place. What good is that twinkling light if the sun never rises within my people's sight? The night makes way for the day, a contrast on display. My oceans have reached for this land, attempting to water this neglected garden. Over and over they reach out and wash back, waiting for something, anything, some sort of response. But my people have chosen cloud cover instead, welcoming the shadow, accepting its taxation, a price paid in sunlight. Why so low? Why so quiet? Why so resolved to stay silent? 
Who has drugged the fire within, squashing dreams, smothering my pilot light in this land? These dark blinds have cast stripes across their view, relegating their future to something seen on YouTube. A fiction, a fantasy, growing stronger with each day, its thick lines growing wider, blocking more of my landscape. This isn't just redaction, but total castration of a land that was meant to populate and expand. But a pool remains, determined to have its say, standing its ground for the price that was paid. My source is not shallow. My source is not lacking. My source is abundance for those willing to have me. A reservoir in even the smallest of places will sustain life for the ages. I have upheld nations on less than this. I have built greatness from less than a cistern's width. No one can squander or reach the end of the provision I have put in this land. There's always a well. There's always a whisper. There's always a place I have invested. There's a bridge I've provided to shift you from casting lots to living on what I've provided. There's a place I've already watered where confusion can no longer be scattered and light can expand its truth held within. In an instance, dark can become light and new growth can spring to life. So don't heed the words of defeat. Don't heed the words of doubt. Don't settle for a shadow when you can drink the water of life. Your rest isn't found in concession to deceit. Your rest isn't found in concession to deceit. Your rest is found when you drink deeply of me. Stop the wild jackals. Kill them where they sleep. Their noise is more than a bother. They prophesy for your enemy. You can swim. You can cross this channel. Don't fight with anger or the faces you've boxed in. They are not your motive. They are only poison. Strip yourself of this driver. It is not your protector. Your heart is not held in the boundaries of your understanding or in the revealing of your enemy. Your heart is not held by your awareness of them. I set the boundaries for people and nations determining their appointed time in history. Don't you think I could manage the boundaries of your heart as well? I have not sent you down river placed in some basket. Is my arm not stronger than a young mother trying to keep her child hidden? But did you not see me even in this? She was faithful and obedient with what I asked her, but I was the one directing the current. I was the one steering the course for the hero hidden in a basket. Do you think I really didn't know what his future would hold? Did you really think I'd leave the fate of my people and only the strength of a woven basket? 
Look at his future and all that his life would hold. I set the boundaries for people and nations determining their appointed time in history. Your life might not feel as well-defined as his story now told, but his journey was rarely experienced beyond that basket taking on water. Daughter, son, your disconnect and fingerprints are all over my perfectly designed flotation device. I'm going to read that part again. Your disconnect and fingerprints are all over my perfectly designed flotation device. You didn't craft this raft, and you don't control these waters. When you accept my sovereignty, you'll enjoy the rhythm of my waters. Surrender to this truth, and the voices of torment will be drowned out by the trickles and splashes. Whether a babbling brook or an ocean's roar, you'll find yourself riding on my voice of many waters. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Papa. Oh, so good. So good. It's like I'm reading it for the first time myself. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. It's a good word, isn't it? I don't know where I was when I wrote this, but it's like I heard it for the first time just now. Oh, he's so good. But that really, that really is a perfect example. You know, we think we are so involved. Like we think we have to do so much even to do it for him. We think we control so much that we've got to make so much happen that we've got to make sure we steward things well. And he's like, get your hands off of the raft I crafted. Like that, that line right there to me, your disconnect and your fingerprints are all over my perfectly designed flotation device. And he's comparing us to Moses. Who would argue about Moses's impact for the kingdom, right? But he's saying, look, just picture that. He was just a baby laying inside of a basket floating down a river. How much do you think he could see about his impact? He could probably maybe see a little bit of sky and he could probably hear some water. And he could probably feel that he was moving, but he had no idea where he was going or what was going to happen. And he's, the Holy Spirit is saying he rarely experienced any of his journey on anything other than that. It always felt to him like he was in that basket riding on the water. Moses. Who doesn't even know the name of Moses? Non-believers know the name of Moses, right? I mean, people know who Moses is. He was significant. People would say he stewarded things well. And so the Holy Spirit is just saying, look, people, you've got to recognize who I am. Accept my sovereignty over your own personal life. You've made me sovereign in certain areas, but you think I'm not doing this. You think I'm not controlling the current that you're riding on. Your fingerprints don't need to be all over what I designed. And this, your disconnect in this, this you've got, you've, you've exalted me in this one place, but then you step over here and you're disconnected from how you exalted me a minute ago. And that disconnect in our belief, that's what I really feel like he's wanting to shore up. And I think that's why he's coming to say, it's not his fault that our words, the words have been empty. It's not his fault that we've had words going around in our head that have been hollow. 
That's from the orphan thinking. That's from that orphan mindset that can't even perceive the goodness and the greatness of God. And he's coming for that. He's coming for that and saying, admit to me when the words feel hollow. Admit to me when they feel like empty promises. Because I'm coming to fill it and I'm going to show you the glory of the raft, the craft I have put you in. He's inviting us to recognize his sovereignty in a way that will, will create a tangible promise from us, for us to live, live from. A promise that sustains us. Now there's, there's a ton more in this word and I hope that you will listen back and search it out. Um, but I think that's all that I will share personally on that uh, for today. And just one more thing I wanted to add for, because the Holy Spirit told me, is that just for extra significance, okay, there's this crazy thing going on. Tisa shared about the dream with the liver cancer. Well, a couple nights ago, I had a dream about uh, gallbladder. And I, it was a very important dream. I could just tell the Holy Spirit was really highlighting it, and it was lengthy, and it was all about when to know when to take your gallbladder out, when to know, when do, how do doctors know, how do they know, like how do we, and it was all to tell somebody. It was all just to tell a friend, hey, you might need to take your gallbladder out, okay? So in my processing with the Holy Spirit, um, simply put, the gallbladder um, stores bile that is used for your digestion, and bile is made in the liver. And bile is used for the purpose of breaking down fat. So you could just say you, there's, there's a system, an organ within you that's breaking down fat. When should you take that thing out? When should you take the thing that's breaking down the fat out? Now forget the natural at this point, okay? So we're looking at the metaphor here. So in my processing with him, the Holy Spirit randomly gave me two verses. I didn't know where they were in Scripture. I had to look them up. But one was, don't eat the fat. And then another one a few minutes later was, Living off the, you can live off the fat of the land. So this is all throughout the Old Testament. There's reference to fat. Now, there's a ton of stuff in the Old Testament. But, you know, in Leviticus, God is giving Moses these specific instructions for how to make all these different sacrifices they had to do back then, right? One of the instructions was don't eat the fat of the animal, okay? And I'm not getting into all the details of that. But the point is it was a sacrifice. Don't eat what you're sacrificing. Don't, don't eat the sacrifice. And the fat was thought to be the best part of the animal. And, and some of the stuff I read, it belonged to God. He was saying the fat belongs to me. The fat of your sacrifice belongs to me. Don't eat that. That's mine. Now, the other verse in, in, is a contrast where it says you can live off the fat of the land. So that speaks to provision, what he's provided. And he's saying, eat that, eat the fat there, but don't eat this fat. And so to me, that speaks to a very common theme. I know Tisa's going to touch on it more in the future on her series, but there's, we, get, we are given God's abundance, and sometimes it is seed to be planted it is to be given back as a sacrifice. And sometimes it's for us to eat. It's part of provision. So I believe that's what those two verses, that's why he told me those. And so there's fat for your sacrifice. There's fat to, to sow as a sacrifice. To sow as a seed. And there's fat for you to eat. Either way, we're breaking down the fat. Okay? I don't think we want to be breaking down. 
what he provided, either for our provision or for his for to sow a seed. Something in us is breaking down the very thing that he's given us. Something in us is breaking down what he's provided for abundance. And that's why we would need to take that out. Take that thing out. Okay? So there, just to plant plant that as a seed that, again, the Holy Spirit is on that and he's wanting to show us the things that are breaking down, breaking down what he provided, okay, so that we steward it well and we sow seed when it's supposed to be and we eat what he's given us for bread. And so the fact that Tisa had a, a dream where it happened to be specifically liver cancer, it, I just know this was an extra emphasis, again, because the bile is made in the liver. There's a ton of other organs that you could have he could have thrown into a dream, right? It's just too weird. It's just too weird. <laughs> Anyways, Papa, we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the way that you move. Holy Spirit, you are so amazing and incredible to us. You are the most wonderfully magnificent thing of all. You are the greatest gift. You are the greatest um, presence of abundance, the greatest example of abundance, just you, that we get to be in relationship with you, that we get to hear from you personally, that you speak to us and train us on one to one on one, that you search the heart of the Father, Holy Spirit, to know what we don't yet know, to know what we don't yet know for the fight that might be coming, for the battle that might be coming. You are the one who prepares us for what's coming so that we are prepared to be victorious, so that we can walk in, from a position of victory, so that we can walk with Christ alive and living and active within us. You are the one who searches the heart of a father to love us and prepare us. You are amazing. You are our greatest treasure. And I pray that we will most of all steward the abundance of you in our lives well. I pray that we would just honor the way you speak to us and those around us in this community and through other um, prophetic messages, that we would just honor that, that we wouldn't take it lightly, that we wouldn't just say that's just another good message that made me feel good, but we would say that's for me, that's for me, that's for this time, because you said I'm only here because you said I should be here right now. At this appointed time, at this specific time, at this age, at this position, and this condition, in my mind, my body, my spirit, my soul, all of it, I'm meant to be here, and I'm significant, and that makes your message to me significant. So I will not treat it lightly. I will steward that well. I will steward that well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just seal this message up and that you would create a new hunger within us, that you would just light that fire within us to make it burn within us in a way that's insatiable for us. If you have to irritate us with it, do it. If you have to wake us up in the middle of the night for it, do it. Make us hungry. Make us just seeking after you in a brand new way. There is an urgency, I know, in what you're doing on this earth, not out of desperation, not out of lack, not out of fear, but of, of passion from the Godhead that is moving on the earth right now. Passion is moving on the Godhead, and we should feel an urgency with that. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make this personal for all of us, that you would light that fire within us, that you would stir up passion within us, that you would wake up the sleeping places in us, that you would light a fire, bring a flood, whatever you have to do, bring your shaking to make it come alive in us so that we can be a part of what you've, what you are doing and what you've called us to do. Mm. 
I just pray that we would value your holiness in a brand new way and that your holiness would mean something to us unlike anything we've ever comprehended before. I just pray that your holiness would impact us, that we would have a new reverence of just how sovereign you are. Give us a new reverence. Give us a new reverence, Holy Spirit. We want to honor you in a brand new way. We want to view your holiness in a brand new way. We want to exalt you even higher and let you come in even deeper. Papa, I'm just asking you to do this for us. Do this for this tribe, for these people, whoever's listening. Do this in us. Holy Spirit, we are asking for it. Papa, we're asking for it. Jesus, we want this. We want to come alive. We don't want to be a sleeping city. We want to come alive for you. We want to be effective for you. We want to be doing our destiny. We want to be active, living and moving and breathing with you at this time. And Papa, I just pray that this would be a prayer that each person would pray on their own as we leave today, as we wrap up today. I thank you for your awareness of reverence. I thank you that there's a reverence on this message. There's just a holy reverence that we are being asked to sit in and to, to sit in, to just be saturated with a reverence for you. I know we're closing up today. And I pray that you feel that. I pray that you know how, I know what this, if you hear that in the silence, there's just a stillness of a reverence, a reverent position for our hearts. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Jesus. We want more. We just, we want more. We want more. Just keep pouring it out. Thank you that you said today was the day for us to, even with our, even when we don't know what we're doing, we can spill your oil all over the place. Today is the day for your oil to be spilled out. We don't have to know. It doesn't have to be done with precision. It doesn't even have to be done with care. We can just spill your oil all over the place because you're pouring it out right now. So I thank you for your oil. I thank you. I thank you for this reverence that you're building up within us. We just say we love you. 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 You are holy. You are worthy. We give you all the honor and glory. We love you with all that we are. And we give all that we are to you. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.